am Suzanne Legrand, and this is Disobedient Femmes. Today, my guest is Kate Hodges. Kate has written for numerous publications, including The Face and The Green Parent Magazine, published a travel guide and a map of the occult places in London, and most recently, she's published Warriors, Witches, and Women, Mythology's Fiercest Females. She also plays in a band called Ye Nuns. How cool is that? (laughs) Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Warriors, Witches, and Women is a collection of stories introducing fascinating female figures from world mythologies. Can you talk about how you came up with the idea for this book? I've always been interested in goddesses, mythology, um, the supernatural world, um, and monsters and witches and but I've, I've, I've always been interested in them from a kind of cultural perspective it's it's not I, I haven't had a background in classics I haven't had haven't even got a history degree I'm very much I come at them from watching films like Jason and the Argonauts or Clash of the Titans and kind of learning about them through that and um and reading books about ghosts and reading books about monsters and I really wanted to bring all of those kind of aspects together and kind of fuse it with my feminism which you know it just kind of runs through my everyday life and and kind of infuses everything I do and I wanted to do something that brought all of those things together and this this book is it and um yeah I I I kind of proposed it to a publisher and and they liked the idea. So I went for it. And um, I'm just really, really pleased with how, it, how it's come out. It looks great too. It has wonderful Thank illustrations you. in addition to great stories. Yeah, that's how Harriet Lee Merriam does, did the illustrations. And she is, I think she's a genius. I think her illustrations are absolutely beautiful, really simple, but they just capture an essence. Of, it's the of kind of book that you really want to have on your shelf and to go look at again and 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 peruse because of its lovely, you know, the lovely quality of the, the book itself. Yeah, thank you. I kind of, yeah, I made it to kind of dip into, you know, you don't need to sit down and read the whole lot in one go. You can, you can dip into it. And also younger, younger readers will find something, but, and, but readers of all ages will find something, you know, it really is aimed at, at adults, but children will find something to interest them in there too. The book is divided into sections. You have witches, warriors, bringers of misfortune, elemental spirits and munificent spirits. I'm wondering if you could talk about this classification and also you include Cassandra, who's a figure from Greek mythology under the category of witches. So I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that too. Yeah, sure. Um, so I, 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 yeah, I divided them into chapters because I think, you know, that makes it easier to read, easier to digest, you know, as you're, you think you know, as you approach each chapter, what you'll find inside. So warriors are fighters and strategists, not necessarily, you know, some of them are, some of them are aggressive and muscular, but some of them are, are more kind of strategy based and they're, or, or they'll, they'll kind of bring justice upon, wreak justice upon, upon people. There's bringers of misfortune, which is, I, I love bringers of misfortune. That's all about the kind of destructive whirlwind women who go in and kind of wreak havoc across the world and um uh 
women like the Hoppies and Medusa. Um, Elemental Spirits is all about the kind of wild women who, who harness the seas and, and, the, and the elements of the weather and, and I, the people like Mari and the Rainbow Serpent um, and Munificent Spirits are kind of the bountiful mother goddesses, domestic goddesses, um, and, and who are kind of kind of specifically female, but um, but they all have a darker side too. I think I think that's I think all of these women have a, a darker side, and yeah, Cassandra, I put her in the witches. She was a difficult one to categorize. She's very difficult. I mean, she could almost go into 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 a few categories. I mean, she, you know, she wasn't a warrior, but she could definitely be a bringer of misfortune. And um, but I put her in in the witches category because I thought her her gift was a supernatural power. She had that gift of sight, of second sight, um, and and so so I put her into the witches category. Um, I, I think she's she's so interesting, Cassandra. She she was she was granted the gift of um, of, of being able to predict events by um, kings. Uh, no, it's by Apollo who gave her the gift um, to predict events. And so not only was she given the gift to predict events, that was matched with um with the with, with a kind of inversion of that, where um all the prophecies, although they're accurate, nobody would believe them. And it's 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 awful. It's it's like a nightmare, you know, it's it's it strikes it, it, me that there's something very salient in her story for this time absolutely and I, I i think i think for for many many different different women at, at this at this point it, there's a there's a lot of resonance in this i think especially in kind of in, in the ecological movement in the climate change movement it feels sometimes like you're shouting into a void you're telling you're telling scientists are telling the truth they have been telling us what's happening for the last 30 years and yet people are choosing to ignore that or it's just it's falling on it's falling on deaf ears women uh, have been t talking about their their experiences me too movement women have spoken about these experiences it seems you know it's 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 hardly news there's been a trail of breadcrumbs left for the last 40 years and yet you know it's taken this long for women's voices to be heard and to be to be recognized and taken account of and believed most importantly there's even the term the cassandra syndrome of course to describe yeah. this particularly used in in the environmental movement but to describe the phenomenon of people telling the truth and not being heard that's right and i think that's incredible is that this story that was written so many thousands of years ago still feels I mean, it's it's like, come on, how how long are we going to have to put up with this shit? You know, it's 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 still resonant. It still it still has 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 resonance for women in the world today, and and that just it's 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 almost ridiculous. It's almost laughable that still people are telling their truths and not being listened to. Yeah, a lot of women's histories have been hidden or not well documented in history. Is this also true for the figures in your book, um, some of whom were based on actual women? 
was it yeah, difficult to find this information? Absolutely. I think there's there's a really good, my favourite example of that is um is the Roman goddess, who's um, Bona Dea. Um, she, she's kind of cloaked in mystery. Um, so she is, um, she was a, a, a goddess who existed, she had a temple in Rome. Um, and she it, it, she's a, specifically she was a woman's goddess. And it, that's kind of, it's so vague. It's just, yeah, women would go and worship this goddess in a temple. They'd have these bacchanalian feasts where they drink wine and have music and 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 and, and get really drunk and they turn all of the, the paintings to the wall so they weren't watched. And and but historians kind of have no idea what she was worshipped for they think she might be something to do with fertility or perhaps something to do with medicine specifically female medicine i mean it it, it could be it could be something to do with the menopause it it she's she's really hazy and i guess the reason for that is that the historians were mainly men they didn't get to go in and and to worship this goddess they didn't get to go into her temple so we have really very little evidence of what she was about or why why she existed, what purpose she served. And I think that's it's really fascinating. I think that that's kind of indicative of a wider a, a, a wider um, a wider thing that happens in, in women's history that we, we don't get written about. Women's day-to-day -day lives don't get written about in history because women couldn't write there was they had more of an oral tradition that most women um weren't educated so it was it was it, there is no written evidence for us to look at now it's 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 just kind of the odd statue or perhaps some oral evidence it, it's quite amazing given that fact that you were able to find out i think so much about some of these figures that are in your book um, one that was new to me, I found very interesting under the category of warriors was the legend of Yenenga, um, a warrior princess that in what is now Northern Ghana. That's right. story was kept alive through oral tradition for 900 years. Um, I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit about her story and why she's so interesting. Yeah, well, uh, Yenenga was, was she lived in, in what was now Northern Ghana. Um, and her story, I mean, her story just kind of shouts off the page. So she must have been an incredible woman. She was the daughter of um, King Nadega and um, all her three brothers were kind of warriors. And she, her father encouraged her to, to kind of get into, in, into spear throwing. He, he taught her how to ride a horse. And, and he taught her most importantly, he taught her strategy. So she went out and she won victories for his army. And, 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 and it's almost like he created this woman who is so powerful, so strong, that he, it was, it was almost like it was too much for her. She, she, um, he'd send her out to battle and she, she wanted to go she wanted to be a normal teenager she wanted to have boyfriends she wanted to to have babies and every time he asked she asked if her father if she could go and have a boyfriend or think about having a family he, he was freaked out because he wanted her to stay in his army and to keep winning ba um, battles for her so in the end 
she um she had to run away and she she ran away and she found love and had a child and there was a reconciliation with her father but I think it's really interesting that she kind of turned that that kind of female archetype of the, the strong warriors kind of turned it on her head said yes I am that strong warrior I am I am a great strategist I win battles but also I want to have I want to have love I want to have a family I want to have all the traditional life as well I want to have it all and I think she is an incredible story she was obviously an amazing person or her story wouldn't have survived for 900 years there wouldn't be statues of her in the street now which there are and again it's such an interesting story that is so relevant for our times right the the <laughs> conflict for for women about being able to to do lots of things that are important absolutely yeah it's it's kind of it's all about not being one-dimensional not being a stereotype you know yes yes she was she was a great warrior but yes she still wanted to have a child and there's nothing wrong with having a child that was her that was her feminism that was her her path that she wanted to to follow and my god she 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 had to fight for it but she got there you know she got there not only did she have a have a child but um you know in the end she made up with her father and there was there was kind of reconciliation so yeah I think it's it's really really right it feels so fresh when you read that story I think it was quite shocking how fresh and relevant it felt you know it was it's kind of you think of you think of goddesses you think of these stories as being quite dusty and and dry but actually you know, she she kind of she goes out and she plants this field of okra, and then she just lets it die. And she says to her dad, "Look, there's that's 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 how I am. That is that those that's my ovaries rotting away in the fields." It's a and great line. It's so great. It, you you say here, this field looks like how I feel. Here I am, my ovaries withering and dying, my soul crying out for someone, and you don't care. <laughs> it's so teenage, and I love it. It's like, yeah, she was, here she is, this great, great battler, this, this amazing warrior goddess, and, and she's, she's basically furious at her dad for not letting her have a boyfriend, which I just love. <laughs> <laughs> How did you decide who to include in the book? I mean, there, there were so many others, right? Oh, yes. I mean, they, I really had to whittle it down from hundreds. And there's lots that I was kind of really sad to, to lose. But um, I, I just wanted a really good cross section. I wanted, I wanted it to be intersectional. I wanted it to have globally a global spread of, of, of women in this book. It, I didn't want it all just to come from the kind of well-trodden classics. Um, so I, I, I chose people who told a, a kind of who, who illustrated different forms of femininity and and the female experience so you know there are people who are real homebodies in this there are there are goddesses who kind of who are literally creating worlds and there are goddesses who live by the by the fireside and 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 are nurturing and um and i i, I kind of i chose i wanted to choose people people who had stories that still resonated today, that still had something that we could all find find um, resonance with, but also um, goddesses that, that looked incredible and looked diverse so that the illustrations, the illustrations look good. And, um, and just people who, whose stories would resonate with 
us and you know with our daughters and with our mothers just a wide range of experiences why do you think it's important for everyone women and men to know about some of these figures in the past um well first of all it's great just to read about them just on, on a really basic level it's brilliant to absorb these stories you know if it, on a, you can read these and just read the stories and you would come away feeling enthused and 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 inspired by by these stories but also I think it's important because because of what they illustrate what they show us so somebody like Medusa who has been traditionally kind of demonized monsterized and it's it's really what I wanted to do was kind of dig behind the monsterization find out why she had been monsterized find out how she'd been monsterized how how her story had been kind of told and retold in different ways how she'd been used as a totem of all that is wicked about women or all of that that's monstrous about women but actually kind of just chip away and find out what the story was underneath and I think it's what I, what I was really kind of surprised about when I was researching this was the way that different women's stories have changed over the years so over the years depending on who's telling the story so if uh, many lots of them have kind of been used to 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 demonize religions to demonize ways of living they've they've had their stories retold by often the christian church has retold their stories in ways to make them to to make them as, as, as figureheads for, for all that's bad in the world. But actually, when you dig into their stories, their stories are the most incredible stories. They're inspiring. Somebody like Jezebel, who has kind of demonized by, by the, the writers in the Bible. But actually, when you look at her story, she's she's the most incredible, strong woman who, who kind of, you know, she, she, she was, you think of her as this woman who kind of puts makeup on and is a hussy but actually she put makeup on because that's that was her war paint in her final hour she was putting it on making herself strong before she came downstairs finished she knew that her life was going to be over she knew she knew she was facing her enemies and she faced them looking as sensational as she always had hmm. from history we know that many of the women who were labeled witches were often healers and were persecuted. Scholars estimate between 40,000 and 100,000 people, mainly women, were executed for witchcraft. I'm wondering how that shapes the story that we hear and also our ideas about female power. Well, I think I think it's really interesting that that yes, that women were prosecuted for witchcraft were often healers, or they were women who dealt with childbirth, or they they were kind of death doulas. So it was it was death was seen as 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 a woman's task. They would they would wrap the bodies. They would they would take them to be buried. They would help the family through that process, and um, herbal herbal knowledge um, knowledge of plants. Is, is, is all the, all these things were women's skills. There would be a, a woman in the village who had these skills. You'd go and visit and she would cure you of your warts or she would cure you of the egg and she'd bring out her poultices made from these plants. And, and, and 
those women were, were, they were a threat and they were a threat to patriarchal society. They were a threat to Christian society very often. And in order to kind of, to, to demonize that religion in order to, to get dominance, then, then men and the Christian church would nudge people into this into witch hunts they'd nudge people into condemning that woman in the village they'd it was it was you know the church would send in a priest before they built the church they sent in a priest and just kind of nudge people towards pushing out anybody who might be seen to be a threat and um and and these women were 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 demonized and they were they weren't given a chance obviously in their trials often they'd be for instance, they were being thrown into a water, into a lake, and then if they if they rose to the surface, then they would be um, they were witches and they were burned. And if they sunk to the bottom, oh dear, they weren't witches, but they drowned. You know, there was kind damned of, if you do, damned if you don't, right? Exactly, yeah, yeah. And there was and the witch the witch finder generals would have these prickers that that kind of disappeared into into the handles. So they you'd, you'd think that these women were being pricked and yet felt no pain, but actually, you know, Matthew Hopkins had his finger pricker that disappeared up into his handles, so nobody would feel any pain. It was it was the the system was rigged against these women and. Um, and 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 I, th I think yeah, over the years you can see that that archetype will will kind of found its way into fairy tales. It found its way into the story of Baba Yaga, into Berta. Berta was 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 a, a nurturing goddess at, at one point, and then she kind of got just kind of pushed into this stereotype of of, of a witch. Baba Yaga too. She kind of got pushed pushed into this stereotype of a witch. You know, these were the women that you should avoid, that you that you had to shun. And actually, the reason that that you had to shun them was because you've been prompted into and prodded into shunning them. So, given this history, we shouldn't believe many of the stories that we have heard. In, in fairy tales or or perhaps even in movies about yeah. the terrible woman um, archetype right I mean we have a lot of femme fatales and you know witches and evil stepmothers all of whom put a lot of blame uh, really are a convenient scapegoat I think Absolutely. It's it, yeah, completely. They're a convenient scapegoat. They're a, a way of kind of personifying everything that scares patriarchal society about women, you know, it, it, into, into one thing. I mean, I, I quite I, I enjoy I enjoy a good witch. You know, don't get me wrong. I, I, I love I love a, a, a scary witch. I love I love watching any any films with witches in them. They're, they're, I, I kind of I, I like I like turning that archetype on its head. I like digging into that archetype and um, and 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 kind of embracing that archetype as well. I think you know, I, I would I would love I would love to be called a witch, and I think more and more. So I think that that's happening more and more. I mean, you see the kind of the the, the girls hexing Donald Trump, and you see you see the kind of. Um, there's kind of you know girls come together and calling themselves witches and having covens and that that language has kind of been 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 turned on its head a little and embraced embraced by kind of girls and I I love that I think that's that's a really healthy place and I think that in. your book is in some ways helping to rewrite the history of of the what those 
figures mean? I think so. I hope so. Yeah, I think it's I think it's it's interesting to, to not take anything at face value. It's interesting. You know, we, we've, we've all grown up on, on Disney films and, and seen these kind of literally two dimensional witches. But it's it's really interesting to kind of dig back further, dig beyond the fairy tales, find find the roots of the fairy tales. You know, fairy tales are stories of of goddesses that have been dormant for years and years very often you'll find at the root of fairy tales is some old goddess centuries millennia old goddess whose story has survived through fairy tales I mean it's it's an oral tradition fairy tales are an oral tradition women have this oral tradition they'll sit down at the fireside and they'll talk to their grandchildren tell their grandchildren these stories and so they've been passed from generation to generation they've turned from They've turned from goddesses, they've turned from the Morrigan has turned from being part of the, the warrior goddesses of Ireland into, into, a, into a, a, a witch who's, who's in fairy tales now, who's part of the fairy folk, but actually at her heart, at the root, is the, these, old, these old goddesses that were worshipped many, many, many thousands of years ago. What do you hope that readers will take from this book? Um, I. I just want them, I, I love the, the, the thought of somebody sitting down and losing themselves in this book, maybe write, reading about some familiar names, and but, but finding something new about familiar names, but also being introduced to completely brand new people, new people to them, and new, new ideas for them, new kind of pantheons to them even, you know, if, if somebody kind of sat down and read about the Japanese yokai for the first time and, and, and found their way into that through um, the story of Futukachi Ona, then that would be, that'd be great. I, I kind of see it as a, it's almost like a, a springboard for, for you to, you, you, you read a little story about somebody you think that, that sounds it. This is, this is my, this is my pantheon of goddesses. I'm going to go and find out some more about, about this and I'm going and reading more deeply about it perhaps or just sit down and enjoying it. I, I just I just love, I just want the people to be inspired to go and learn more for themselves, I think. Today on Disobedient Femmes, my guest has been Kate Hodges, who is the author of Warriors, Witches, and Women. Um, for people who are interested in finding more about your book and also finding more about your work, where can they go? Um, just go to my website, just look me up on Google and you should find me. I think it's katehodges.org or look me up on Instagram. I'm the T-H-E-E Kate Hodges or Twitter or come and find me on Facebook. I'm very friendly. Just come and say hello. Thank you so much for being on Disobedient Thumbs today. Oh, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. I am Suzanne Legrand. Each week on Disobedient Femmes, I bring you interviews with women artists, writers, and social change makers who are transforming the world. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave a comment. Thanks. <laughs>